I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Come to Daddy, the podcast for people for whom solipsism is too broad a spectrum. I'm your host, Ruben Kay, a man so gay I went to the RSPCA and tried to adopt a doja cat. (laughs) (laughs) Come to Daddy is me finding a way to investigate the role that parents play in the people we eventually become. This time, I'm crossing borders, I'm crossing expectations, I'm crossing boxes. I'm in Australia at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, where self-promotion meets self-harm. Anyone who's anyone is here, and that's why my producer, Amanda, isn't. She's in London, just enjoying the view as capitalism collapses around her. How are you doing, Amanda? Hello, Come to Daddy listeners. Ah! Oh, sorry. Um, not really professional. There is a pug trying to mount me. Not like that, obviously. Thank you for listening and enjoying the podcast. And please like and share and retweet and re-insta story. I am actually aware that that is not actually a thing. Hashtag grandma. But if you are enjoying the podcast, please do spread the word because we want people to listen and enjoy the genius that is Ruben Kay. My guest today puts the new into neurodivergent and the god into dear god, it's me, Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) Crossing the gender spectrum in all colours and making us laugh while doing it. Welcome to Come to Daddy, Deanne Smith. Well, hello. This is incredible. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I love that intro. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It's one of the great joys of this is... um, is coming up with intros and little things to say. I've got one here that is just written. I've just written the second knuckle of personal growth. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. So you're getting deep with it is what it means. 
So what are you doing here in Melbourne? Oh, that's a great question. Hanging out, having fun, drinking coffee. And mm. I'm here for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. You, you like Melbourne audiences? Oh, my God. Yeah, I feel, you know, I started coming here maybe 15 years ago. So it really, like Australian audiences, I feel like really influenced my own development as a oh, comedian. Yeah. Things here are very special. Like there's, there's so much nuance to what comedy can be. There's so many different types. It's just different in North America. It's much more homogenous, really. Um, and I think Melbourne audiences have a good comedy education for the most part. What do you think that is? Do you think it's like an educational issue? Do you think it's a cultural thing? I think both, yeah, and, and the, the UK influence, but also mm. like the Melbourne comedy The UK festival. influence in, on, on Australia. On, on Australia. Yes. But also the but Melbourne colonialism. <laughs> Colo yeah, sorry. Um, colonialism's been great for comedy. <laughs> we're spinning it now as an influence. <laughs> we don't want to We don't wanna say colonial. That's triggering. So we're yeah. going to say it's an influence. It's just an influence. It's a top note. All right, let's yes. get into it, let's Deanne. Let's get into it. This is the parental questionnaire. Quick fire round. Mm -hmm. Speedy answers, please. Names of parents. My parents are called Bill and Carrie Smith. Bill and Carrie Smith. Where do they live? Well, my mom's dad. Mm. Um, and my dad lives in upstate New York. Mm. I've never been to New York. Upstate New York. I've been to the city New York. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a very different vibe. Is upstate. it? it? Yeah. I, the, two hours outside of New York, it is country. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of trees, a lot of green hills. That sounds nice. Um, can get a little dicey politically, as, as things can when you get out of a big city. Oh, yeah. The more bucolic you get, yeah. sort of, it all just but gets a bit more. It's interesting, like the... What you'll see is like hand painted signs in people's front yards. And you're like, oh, this can't be absolutely good. not. This can't be good. I think there's a great moment for any queer person when we go, oh, I see too many handicrafts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is God. <laughs> like we'll go to it. We'll, we'll do a bit of macrame. Yeah. You know, we might, you know, buy a watercolor here and there. But the minute we get to whittling. Yeah. That's where we're like, oh. Or when you see, yeah, you see like a sign that's like, say no to Prop 19. You're like, I don't know what Prop 19 is, but I bet it's about guns. Yeah. Yeah. The handiwork on the sign is immaculate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know? That's that's trouble. You kind of go, oh, but would they also do my bathroom? <laughs> so how much do you blame Bill and Carrie for how you turned out as a percentage, please? <laughs> One hundo P. Oh, we love it. Firm and committed. So. Tell me about mum and dad, Bill and Carrie. I'm intrigued. Yes. I'm interested. Where do we start? What are they like as people? Well, well Bill, yeah. obviously now. Yes, yes. So my Carrie's mom... been very quiet for a while, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I used to do a joke like that. Like, I, you know, I came out as non-binary. My mom doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, she died seven years ago. But other than that. <laughs> so that's normal, actually. It'd be weird if she was talking to me. Um, you know, it's interesting because this year, uh, in my show, I talk, I talk a bit about my parents or about my relationship with my dad. My show is all about relationships, romantic relationships in general. And I, you know, tie it to like what we learned in childhood and, and all that kind of stuff. So what can I say about these people? My mom, um, very loving, very giving, could talk to anybody like the, her a very authentic person, like just very the same with everybody. Also easily delighted by the world. Um, I think I've picked that up as well. Like little tiny things. It'd be like, oh, tomato on the sandwich. Like little delight in the little details of life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And um, I would say also codependent. She would say that too. She mm -hmm. went to CODA, Codependence <laughs> Anonymous, and less anonymous now that I'm talking about it. Yeah. Um, 
she came into her own like later, like in the last like 10 years of her life, I would say. My parents had a very 50s style, although they weren't of that time, but a very 50s style relationship where dad worked, dad earned all the money. Mom was a stay at home mom with three kids who drank wine in the garage because life was a lot, you know. Um, also, the garage had a nice kind of cool temperature and humidity that's good for wine. Yeah. Wine was in the box so she could sneak out there. Also, <laughs> oh, she was a connoisseur. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dad drank too, but his personality didn't change as much. So it wasn't as noticeable. Oh, he was what a, was the change in mom's personality? Oh, you know, from beautiful, loving, present mom to drunk, <laughs> drunk mom. And dad had a traumatic childhood. Um, I'll give all the details. He's never going to hear this. Uh, the next question is, will they listen to this? So no, if, no, no, no. Um, if not, then spill. Yeah. My, here's the thing about my dad. He used to be very into computers. Like in the 90s, we had a computer in the house and we were on the internet, you know, like be way before other people. But he's he never kept up with that. And now he doesn't even have email. He If he writes me an email which he hasn't in years. It comes from my dead mom's account. He only writes, <laughs> check this out. He only writes in the subject line, all caps. <laughs> and it's absolutely jarring and horrifying yeah. to receive because it will be like, like you get this email, it's like dead mom's name. And then it's like, hey D, how's it going? Bob? No, like, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, All in the subject line. <laughs> so he has no idea how to find a podcast. Um, this guy. He is loving. He wants to be loving. He is stunted. His dad killed himself. Mm. My dad found his dad as a 16-year-old. Um, that will scar a person. Yeah. And then my dad went off to Vietnam soon after that. Oh, yeah. Collected some more traumas and then raised a family. You know? I think that's a great qualification to raise a family. <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, he perceives the world as a dangerous place where you know, anything bad could happen and, and people are kind of out to get you. I didn't realize until like 10 years ago, just kind of observing my dad, like what I perceived when I was a kid and, and I would, cause I was a kid as like strict rules. Like it was like the rules were always changing. You didn't know what they were, but if you fucked them up, that's going to be a problem. So it'd be like the remote control goes here and this goes here. And like, he's not someone who could deal with the chaos of children really. Yeah. And it was only like 10 years ago watching him kind of freak out about this tablecloth placement but and like bringing all this anxiety to it that I was like, oh, this guy just like he has, I don't know if it's OCD. I don't know what it is, but it it is very meaningful to him on like a deep level that things should be in their place. Like it really does like stress him out. But as a kid, you don't know that. You're just like, well, there's a ton of stress in the house and I better not suck up. He's also like always joking around, always trying to like, you know, can't alleviate go to, the stress that he is currently exactly. Feeling. Yeah, can't go to the bank without making a joke. Like everybody kind of knows him and and expects a joke from him. He he's stocked with street jokes at all times. Like he just knows jokes. You know. Ah. Oh, yeah. Like a like an armory of distractions. Yes, yes, an armory <laughs> of distractions, and they're always like off color in some way. I'll because tell you, shocking people is shocking people in that moment is a wonderful way to distract. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. he also learned them when he was like a teenager. I'm trying to think of the Christmas one. He'll be like every, every Christmas. Do you know why Santa doesn't have any kids? Why? Cause he only comes once a year. Yeah. And then it's down the chimney. <laughs> Look, I gotta say, the tag is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The tag makes it because you just think of this like sooty load. 
Yeah. Just really ashy, <laughs> sooty. Just like someone had a really good time at the crematorium. Oh, gross. It's, welcome. Welcome to Come to Daddy. This is the level. So the childhood with your dad, mm-hmm. quite tense, always trying to navigate what the what the rules were. Yeah. And how was your mum in that? I mean, yeah, under his thumb. This was the mm. thing that was really frustrating to me as the youngest. So when I was born, my brother and sister were 11 and 7. So oh, quite a big age gap. A big gap. So for me as a little guy, it kind of just felt like, whoa, I showed up on the scene. All these adults, you know, all these big people seem upset. I don't know why. Mm. Must be me, <laughs> of course. Um, I think all roads lead to Rome. We assume the call's coming from inside the building. Always, always. Um, but it was frustrating because I felt like, you know, here's this king, like kind of this emperor with no clothes. Mm. And I was like, am I the only one that can see like... I don't understand why this guy is giving us the rules. And I don't understand why this guy's energy dominates the whole house. Like there's more of us than him. We're cool. Like, why is this, you know, why is he in charge? But he very much was. I have a, like, I I unpack it a little bit in my show, but I talk about um, that my parents were married for 50 years and I let the audience have that little nice moment. And then I'm like, well, you know, my dad did check the gas miles on my mom's car to make sure she wasn't going too far. So it was, you know, 50 years of like kind of control and oppression and whatever, whatever. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I guess when you're looking at these two parents, I think as kids we all sort of model off our parents, when the inklings of your your gender journey and your sexuality start to come through, were you looking at them as models? Mm. I, I wonder about that because I think I think I like I said, they had this very classic kind of fifties dynamic, housewife, guy that goes out and earns the money. I mean, to the point that even he drives home from work at to have lunch at home that my mom makes. Like she was never free of the like duties of yeah. being a wife and a mother. Um, and I remember telling my mom when I was little, like five years old, kind of my job was to set the table. And I remember telling my mom, I'm not going to get a husband. I don't want a husband. Cause it just looked like I, this guy just tells you what to do and gets waited on because he'd come home from work and then mom would make him a drink. Then he sits in the living room and has a drink while she finishes dinner. I mean, very, very kind of classic fifties. Like I keep saying strange and she was okay with that. She was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I could see that, you know? Um, 
Oh, she was okay with you. With, like saying, I don't want a husband and this isn't going to happen for me because I just thought if this is how it is, no, thank you. Mm. But I could identify with, I didn't want either of those roles, obviously. Mm. You know, I don't want to be the, the woman that's waiting on this dude all the time. And I don't want to be. I want to be this angry. The angry king. Dude. Yeah. Um, one of them is just sort of like sex work with a side of hospitality. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's like either way, you're not connecting. Mm-mm. I mean, you might think, oh, I love, I love the idea of having a wife who, who dotes me hand and foot, but doting isn't connecting. Mm-hmm. You're not actually having a real relationship. It's still a mercantile yeah. thing because you're negotiating it like work. Do you know what? You're reminding me that recently, like a year and a half ago, I found a little notebook in my mom's sock drawer. So my dad has been unable to deal with my mom's death. He's Mm. in a nursing home now, but the house is still there with like all her stuff in it, Mm. which my sister and I are slowly clearing out. But anyway, I got cold at the house. I went to get some socks, found a little notebook, like did not look like a diary, little spiral, tiny notebook in my mom's sock drawer. And I opened it up and it was essentially like a quick little diary. She was attempting to quit drinking. So she started, um, clocking like what she drank that day and how like kind of what was going on for her emotionally and it was fucking fascinating because my family you know we don't talk about feelings and she wouldn't have shared any of that stuff with me but it was when I was in university and it really like her and my dad were really like struggling to connect and she was having a very very hard time suddenly being left alone with this guy that she wanted a close relationship with and didn't Mm. he just wasn't there to connect back with her what kind of things were in there it was at mo at very um, quick. Like I had I had these drinks tonight. Tried to connect with Bill. He turned turned me away or something. Like it was it was rough. Yeah. There was also it's wild that I should say this, but I don't think my mom would mind. Um, I found what I really have to can only interpret as like a, a draft of a suicide note. Mm. Um, my mom was writing like what she loved about everyone in the family and this kind of, I mean, you just don't write that kind of stuff in that way if that's not on your radar. And that was a really interesting moment to think, what if my mom had killed herself? (laughs) Like what a different life all of us would have right now Mm. and how like incredibly tragic for my dad. Well, let's say that would Bill, would Bill be able to reflect on that or see what that was? I mean, I, I can only imagine he would <laughs> kill him. Yeah. This thing is getting dark, but but he's been unable to deal with his dad's death this whole time, you know. How did your mom die? Um, she died of complications from COPD and lung um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. Yep. Um, they were also smokers their whole mm-hmm. life. Um, so she had all that kind of stuff. I don't know exactly what it was. In the How end. old was she? She was just about 70. Yeah. Yeah. A member of the Dead Dad Club. Here oh yeah. At sixty-eight. Yeah, it's too young, isn't it? I always used to think when I was, as a, as growing up, I was like, if I'm gonna have kids, I want to be dead by the time they're thirty, because my grandmother, my dad's <laughs> mum, my, my dad's mum, stuck around until he was in his late in his late sixties, and it was a bit like a burden, right? And I thought I want to be clear of it. I want to be not a nuisance, not a burden. And then I lost my dad at thirty-two, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's too young. It's way too young. Too young to lose a dad and yeah. 68, too young to die. Definitely. Did you, when my mom died, I, you know, we all have an inner child. 
And I was like, I thought my inner child was like eight or something. When my mom died, I felt literally I felt two years old. Three. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I was like wailing like you just miss you just miss your mom or your dad on this level. That is I don't know about it. The unfairness of it is it's a natural order. So also Mm -hmm. on some level, I felt like my grief was unjust. Mm. I'm like, everyone goes through this. Why are you having difficulty? This is what's meant to happen. Mm. You can't be upset about it, which is not the advice I would give to someone else in that situation. Of course not. No, we love to be hard on ourselves for no reason. Yeah, my therapist just um, was talking to me about it yesterday and was like well would you give that advice to someone else I'm like no I know that I know that I wouldn't say that to someone else but I'm a different matter and he's like yes but Ruben that's like self-flagellation and self-obsession at the same time yeah it is isn't it yeah but my favorite sexual position is on a high horse (laughs) (laughs) so at what age in this environment at what age do kind of the inklings of your concept of your own gender Mm, that's a good question um i think i didn't have much of a concept of gender when i was a kid because you just don't right like Mm. i was just friends with all the neighborhood kids we're running around we're one big pack nobody's anything really is what it felt like i think um and then right around puberty is where things started to get dicey of course because like I got my period late, which I was happy about. All the other, you know, girls were like, it's all about when you get your period and excited. And I didn't want to do that. And it was actually like, I think really traumatic when it happened because it's like, okay, I'm developing into this person now. And I don't really want to be this. Uh, I can't imagine what that's like to feel like you're on a ride that Mm. you don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you get into a roller coaster yeah. and you're thinking, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And you say everyone else is having a really great time yeah. with it and you're like, I don't want to be on this. Yeah. I don't ever want to be on this. And to be honest, like it took me and I still I have not figured this out and I may never and that's OK. But I I waited ages to get top surgery or something like that because I have never been able to clearly parse out what is actually how I feel, how I would feel in a vacuum as a human being. And what is being astute, being intelligent, looking around and going, hey, this is a misogynistic culture that hates women. Um, Why would I want to be a woman when everyone hates women? You know, what's your own journey and what's a response? Exactly. And I don't think it's possible to know because you don't grow up in a vacuum. Um, But also like having talked through it with partners and stuff, you know, other people would go, you know what, I'm I'm a woman. I understand that we live in a misogynistic patriarchy and still I'm okay being a woman you know they're they're just kind of like you're doing some something different is going on yeah. with you I'm like yeah I guess so I guess how not only how is it received by Bill and Carrie but how um how long did you keep it to yourself before you kind mm-hmm. of opened the conversation to them well there's a question of coming out first mm. right which What's interesting, because like I said, my brother's 11 years older than me. So he saw it before I saw it. Mm -hmm. He would come home from California where he lived and be like, hey, do you have anything you want to talk to me about? Like, I have friends that are gay. And I'd be like, get out of my room. You know? Yeah. Um, But I came out to my parents when I was like 18. And they were okay with it. This was also a pre-Ellen time. I need to remind people this. because it What year? Give us a year so we can contextualize it. I was 18. It would have been in like 1994. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, it was a different time. And, you know, when I say they were okay, I mean, they didn't, 
they continue, continued contributing to college. They didn't kick me out of the house, whatever. My dad probably didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't talk to me for about a year and a half. But what does what, define he what talk, not talking exactly. to you looks like? He barely talked to me anyway, so it was fine. It would mean like I would come home and he just wouldn't like greet me or talk to me. But he'd be in the house and I'd be in the house. Sort would of you thing. get a grunt, a little excuse me, pardon me, going past or something? Or was it just like Maybe. a stone wall? I mean, I don't really remember. Not stone wall. Yeah, <laughs> stone, yeah. But stone wall. <laughs> I don't really remember. Um, but I just know that we didn't have a great relationship anyway. So it didn't like mm. affect me or I didn't feel that it affected me. But then I remember later, even just a few years after that, they really got on board. And I remember this time when I went shopping with them and it was like my mom, my dad, my grandma. And I was saying going shopping. I didn't know any of terms. I didn't know gender dysphoric. I didn't know anything. But I said, I hate going shopping because I love all the guy stuff and it's too big for me. And I hate all the like women's stuff. And it's just really hard for me to find what I want. And we walked into the store and it was the sweetest thing in the world. I remember like um, I didn't ask them to do this, but like they'd, they'd find like a little, like a small, like button up shirt or something and be like, Hey D, is this what you were talking about? And like, my mom would like find ties and be like, I think this one would look really good on you. Like that sort of thing. So we didn't openly talk about gender in that way, but they knew kind of how I preferred to present myself yeah. and were on board with it. Do you think maybe they had, they, they had the language of a tomboy? Probably. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I'm not like particularly into sports either or mm. like tomboy energy. So, yeah. But then then when my sister started having kids, the nieces and nephews would be around like, wait a minute. What are you? You know, <laughs> or you look like a boy, but <laughs> we, we call you Aunt D. And then so we'd have those open conversations in the family, too. Where I'm like, well, you can be, you know, I can be whatever kind of I want to be. And, you know, I remember my little niece started calling me. So I had a girlfriend called Sarah that she started to call Aunt Sarah. And I was like, well, if she's Aunt Sarah, what am I? And she's like, Uncle Aunt D. <laughs> Uncle Aunt D. Uncle Aunt D. That's fucking great. Yeah. Thanks for drawing all this out. I forgot about this. Yeah. So my family's been pretty cool, but we haven't like um, directly addressed anything necessarily. Is that because it's avoided or because it just doesn't need to be? I feel like it doesn't need to be. That's lovely. Yeah. I mean, my dad knows I have top surgery, which kind of I didn't know how he'd react because he is he's losing his memory a bit. He's a little fuzzy on some things. Mm, like you've had to come out to him four times. <laughs> <laughs> he's just starting to lose it a little bit. And um, I didn't know, you know, what he would think about it at all. And he was just like, oh, well, do you feel good? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right. The best. Yeah. And the that best. was it. I remember I, I've, t I've said this before on the pod um, when I. I told my mum her response was, it's 12.30 at night, Ruben. Go to bed, I'll buy you condoms in the morning. Really? And then the next day she took me out and said, I don't actually know why you told me. It's none of my business who you sleep with, just like it's none of your business who I sleep with. To which I said, well, who are you sleeping with? And she said, none of your business. That's really funny. She's, yeah, it's a snappy family. That's really the, funny. The K household. How old were you when you came out? 14. Okay. And did she go buy you condoms? Um, no, never came through on the promise, but oh, I didn't on. need him till I was 18. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it was, a. my stepfather just looked me in the eye and went, well, duh. Oh, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no bless. And dad and I, dad kind of stumbled a bit. Dad had a bit of a shit reaction, but made up for it. Yeah. But like, it just took us a while. But you um, do feel like you worked it out with him before he died? Yeah, the minute we got he got diagnosed, 
he lost all his anti-confrontation and all his fear and his bullshit meter just skyrocketed. So I went, I got no time for this. Mm. And I was like, well, I got no time for this. So we got this amazing three years of oh, getting great. like a father and a son back. Oh, that's incredible. It was great. That's important. It's like it was like it really was like a lifetime mm-hmm. that we got, which is lovely. Um, how's your relationship with Bill now? It's interesting. So he is in a nursing home, like mm. I said. I would say that it's good. I used to joke around with my mom when she was still alive. Um, when she was still alive, of course. When did I had that? I still joke around with her, but um, I was like, you know what? I was like, you're going to die. And this guy, I'm pointing into the living room. He can't hear me, right? I'm like, this guy is just going to keep kicking because he has all this shit to work out. Like, Mm. you're good. You can go. This guy, this fucking guy. And it's true. He's treated his body like garbage. He is still kicking in this nursing home. But it gives me the opportunity. I try to visit him about once a month. You know, I'm traveling a lot, Mm -hmm. so it's difficult. But our visits in the last few years have been really good. Um, And but by really good, I mean, I think in some other families, probably just baseline good. Like I've been able to hear him say things like, thank you for coming to visit me. You know, things like thank you, things like I appreciate things like um, this little bit of open openness and, and connecting and few years ago, right before he went into the nursing home, we had what I thought was an incredible conversation. I was taking him to the hospital for something. And he was like yelling at me as I was trying to park the car about bah, bah, bah. like it was this anxiety coming out. But the way that it does, which is like picking everything apart and yelling. And I'm like, this is not my life. I don't have any relationships like this where I would tolerate someone yelling at me. I don't yell at anybody like this is just not how I do things. And I'm an adult now and I can decide, you know, what is in my periphery, what what kind of atmosphere I'm in. And I went a little too hard, though. I did regret this and I apologized to him after. But I was like, you cannot yell at me. I'm like, I will not have you treat me how you treated mom. I'm not going to stand for it. Um, But I talked to them both about that when they were alive. Like they knew how I felt about their relationship. But it was it was a bit of a low blow because, you know, she had died at that point. But also true. Anyway, he goes and has his appointment. I take him back in the car and this may not seem like a big deal, but for my dad, who's very regimented, this was a huge deal. I was like, you know, there's a place I really like in Owego, the neighboring town. Um, I'd, can I take you out to lunch at this place? So it was first of all shocking that he even said yes, because normally it would be like, no, we only go to the places that I already know. And, you know, so, but we were in the car, we had this drive, which I think was really useful because we're both staring forward. We don't have to stare at each other. The landscape is changing. You know, car rides are great for intimate conversations. And I apologized to him. I said, I'm sorry that I said that, you know, about mom, but it's really hard for me. You know, if you're yelling at me, and I kind of explained all that. I don't have relationships like this. I don't want relationships like that. And I'm always trying to give him therapy. (laughs) I'm saying it for him, but I'm also saying it for me. And I'll say things like, you know, I've learned about myself that when I feel stressed out, sometimes I lash out at other people, you know, but it's like very basic shit, but I'm trying to give him something. And in this car ride, he really, he was able to be open and like hear this. And he was like, yeah, you know, I think I may, maybe I do that too sometimes. And, um, we had like a reparative conversation, which was incredible. He tried something new at this cafe that he let me pick 
and talked about, I think your mother would have liked this place. And oh. it was, it's small stuff, but it's honestly meaningful and special. So since then we've, we've had only good visits. He, when he gets cranky with me though, I do, he did get cranky with me a few months ago and I just said, Hey, you know, um, if you're, if you're feeling tired or you're having a bad day, I, I don't have to be here right now. Like I can go. And, and I'm saying it nice, but underneath it is like, I won't be treated like garbage. And then yeah. he's like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, and then he gets nicer about things. But um, yeah, so I would say I'm glad he's still alive. I'm glad we're, we're having a good relationship. And I know it's not my job, but I'm still trying to hope, hoping, trying to work on him a little bit, give him little bits of therapy and hope that he can leave this world feeling a little more taken care of and a little bit less like everything is out to get him. And it's, you know, a horrible place. It's really beautiful. All right. Yes. Now we come to the pick and mix. Oh, okay. Pick and mix, pick and mix. It's time for us to do pick and mix. And today you have chosen, drum roll please, Amanda. It's quite hard. There's a lot of saliva on that microphone yeah, now. Sore tongue. No, it's so unfair. Deanne, you have chosen, it's so unfair. Mm -hmm. What does a call your parents have made that you feel needs revision? Okay, here we go. It's really just this one time, and I'm hoping to say it here, it feels in many ways so petty, but I'm going to say it here and maybe I'll let it go. Maybe I'll go for it. it Purge. Go. Okay. When I was in my 20s, I was living in Baltimore. I was getting ready to move to Mexico where I was going to teach English for a while and just hang out. Um, my parents owned a home, which they still, it's still freaking there. Um, that a giant, you know, three bedroom, four bedroom. Yeah. Just a big old suburban house an attic. There's a basement, plenty of room. And my dad would not allow me to store my things, whatever things I had as a early 20 year old living in Baltimore before I moved to Mexico would not allow me to keep things in their house, which pissed me off so much and I didn't understand there's so much room and I think I was probably upset and my mom too because she just went along with it but she goes on she went along with everything um that was the, their dynamic and it I guess it really yeah it hurt my feelings and it made me feel like even at that age 20 when you would hope you would still have some like you know family stability to rely on it just felt like you're on your own good luck next up on the pick and mix you have chosen Parental Advisory. AKA, do as I say, not as I do. Parental Advisory. Yeah. Give me some advice from Bill and Carrie. Okay. This is incredible. This is going to run the spectrum. Um, my dad, one time, and I have a joke about this in my show. One time, and one time only, I was on the phone with him. I asked him for advice. I just thought, let me try to make this old guy feel useful. And mm -hmm. let me try to connect and see what's up. I was having a hard day. And I was like, hey, do you have any advice for me? And it was illuminating. His answer was worth 10 years of therapy for me understanding my childhood. He goes, well, when I have hard feelings, I just think there's nothing I can do about that. And I stop feeling them. <laughs> that, that was legitimately his advice. It gets worse. Check this out. So I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I go, are you saying don't feel feelings. <laughs> and then he actually said this. He goes, yep. When they pop up, push them back down. <gasps> but then 
He gave a dirty laugh. He goes, <laughs> not like that. Because he was immediately making a boner reference. This is the only time I ever asked my dad advice. And that was his advice. Don't feel your feelings. And then essentially, like, don't feel them so hard that even talking about them makes you have to make a joke about boners. Let's get out of here. We're moving on. Okay. This is the final, the final challenge, okay. Hercules. Oh, my gosh. What is it? This is Shall I Be Mother? Shall I be mother? You look into my eyes and imagine that I am Bill or Carrie or an odd science lab amalgamation of both. And what would you say to them? Oh, this is really good stuff. I would say I'm really gazing into your eyes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for putting me on this planet and keeping me alive and raising me to the best of your ability. And I, oh, and I had to, I looked away from you right now because I'm going to get really real. Okay. I was about to say that I am attempting to live my life in a way that heals me of certain traumas, but I also think about healing them through me. I like to think about that stuff going backwards because I'm not having kids. It's not going forward in that way. And uh, hope to see you on the other side. That's really beautiful. (laughs) Deanne Smith, thank you for coming to Daddy. Thank you. What an intense experiment. I had to look away. It's a lot, isn't it? It's unexpectedly a lot, and it's an emotional time here at Come to Daddy headquarters. (laughs) But putting all that aside, because you don't want to feel them. (laughs) Deanne Smith, where can listeners of the pod find you? Oh, good luck to you guys. I'm a real push-pull kind of comedian. I bring you in, I push you away. I'm probably most active on Instagram. I don't have a TikTok yet. I have a Twitter. I have a website that's never updated. Mm -hmm. You know, good luck to you. Deanne Smith, truly Google it. D.N. Smith, 1D, 2 Ns, Smith. Yeah. Thank you for coming to Daddy. Thank you. What a pleasure.